Hello everyone, my name is George, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Midnight Market Commentary, where I'm going to go over a few ideas that I currently have on my mind, a few topics that I've got to cover, since it's been quite a while since I've done one of these episodes, so there's a lot that's on my mind right now, and uh, a lot that's happened here in maybe the past week or two um, that's really got me thinking, so I hope to share some of these ideas with you, and I hope that you all can take something from it. So the first topic we have today is Lordstown Motors. You know, it's an um, electric vehicle company. Um, really, their rise to fame was they bought a old GM plant in Lordstown, Ohio, and that's where they took the name from, Lordstown Motor. You know, sounds like a nice, you know, small town car company reviving this GM plant that's come down. We're going to build electric cars. We're going to bring the jobs back. That's, that's kind of what the hype's been about over there at Lordstown Motors. And, uh, you know, they've, they've run into a little trouble. You know, a few months ago, um, there was the Hindenburg Report, which I know was very controversial. But, um, you know, there, there was a lot of, you know, interesting facts in there um, saying that, you know, some of the company's claims weren't uh, uh, weren't all that they uh, said they were. And uh, so that that's kind of where um, we saw the stock start declining. You know, it had gotten up into, uh, I think it was about $30 a share. Um, you know, it moved up from the 20s to the 30s. And uh, all of a sudden, this report drops, and uh, the stock quickly went down. Um, and uh, very recently, it was very close to $5 per share. Um, we had seen quite a bit of action there on RIDE, the ticket, the, or, excuse me, the ticker, R-I-D-E. Um, and so, yeah, we saw it go from about 30 to $5. And then, not too long ago, maybe within the last couple weeks, um, they came out and said that, you know, due to their funds, they were going to have to cut their production by 50%. And I thought this was, you know, I thought this was pretty unusual. You know, we have a company who hasn't even started, you know, actually producing these vehicles, and they're already cutting production by 50%. So, move forward to this week, and they release a um, statement um, essentially saying that uh, they're running out of money, they're short on cash, they're spending much more than they had uh, originally planned, and because of that, they may not be able to put their vehicle into production uh, coming later this year. That's a real shocker, you know, it's... uh, this, this company really uh, is relying on this one product, the Endurance electric pickup truck, and uh, it was supposed to go into production later this year, and now that's, you know, now it's uncertain, and uh, while the stock did take a hit at first, um, it's rebounded uh, a good bit, um, it closed here Friday at 11.41, which puts them at a $2 billion market cap, which really just shows you the state of the market, you know, we have this company, um, saying, you know, they can pretty much fail, um, they haven't even got to the point of actually producing anything, 
And they're saying they might not even get to that point. <laughs> and they still have a $2 billion market cap. Now, something, I think the most interesting thing to me is, it seems like all the companies in this space are getting, you know, so much attention, so much investment money. And there's like so much, just so much money going around in general, uh, when it comes to uh, the stock markets and, um, you know, venture capital and all, all these companies, that it's so shocking to me that, uh, you know, they haven't been able to, you know, get more cash. Um, you know, it almost sounds like it's a struggle. But at the same time, I don't know what they have done to, uh, you know, maybe uh, get some more funds to get this taken care of. I mean, they, they're going to need to do something if they want to at least go into production. And like, I don't see how they can succeed if they don't go into production um, on their first, you know, their first vehicle. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out, you know, is ride, is it going to ride to the moon or are we riding it to the ground? I don't know. I don't know, but definitely keep your eye on Lordstown Motors. Um, I've recently had a renewed interest in electronic vehicles and, you know, I was, I was kind of starting to get real excited about Lordstown. You know, they coming out with a pickup truck later this year. It's pretty soon. Um, but now here we are, we've got a few other companies that, you know, they're not going to fall through. Um, like it looks like Lordstown's going to, uh, we've got, um, we've got the electric Hummer, which I know is, you know, it's, it's, it's pricey. Um, but more importantly, we have the electric F-150 that, uh, Ford has just recently announced. And I think that's really a big, uh, uh, nail in the coffee or sorry, not nail in the coffee. That's a, I don't know, that's something for Starbucks maybe, but a nail in the coffin for some of these electric, uh, vehicle companies that were, uh, going for pickup trucks, you know, I mean, what, what more, what more competition could you get than a, an electric F-150? Um, so if Lordstown Motors doesn't, uh, doesn't clear some cash here soon, I, I think they might be done for. I mean, they've, if, if they had gotten their act together and, you know, got this truck out, uh, you know, real quick, got it to market maybe later this year, then I think they would have had a, you know, real good shot of, uh, you know, being first to market with, uh, an electric pickup truck. But, uh, now I just really don't see that happening, you know, with these issues. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard to see them coming out this year and maybe even coming out before that electric F-150, which, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. So keep your eye out for Lordstown Motors, uh, file, follow the stock ticker, R-I-D-E. And let's see what happens to that $2 billion market cap. I just, uh, you know, I, I can't believe that on one side, it's like how, you know, where, where are we that this company still has a $2 billion market cap, but at the same time you look at other companies, um, you know, look at Tesla and it just, you know, one of the most valuable companies in the world. And, um, <clears throat> you can really look at a lot of these new IPOs and, uh, companies that aren't making any money. Um, and they're just bringing these crazy valuations. So one part of me is like two billions ridiculous. And another part of me is like, Oh, 2 billion is a cheap way to get into, <laughs> into a company that, uh, you know, has already had a lot of attention. Um, but at this point it's like, I don't know if Lordstown Motors is going to exist at this same time next year. So
let's be on the lookout for that. Okay, so the next thing I wanted to talk about was I just heard today that Didi, which for those who don't know, is basically the Uber of China, is planning a US IPO and it is expected to uh, hit the markets here in July. And uh, the big headline was that um, people, you know, familiar with the deal are saying that the company may fetch a $70 billion market cap. Now, the first thing I thought about when I heard this news is, you know, I, I just thought about the recent performance of Chinese stocks that are listed in the U.S. And, uh, you know, some of the action that we've seen out of those stocks. Uh, they had, you know, a very large run-up last year, you know, following the pandemic and China's, you know, faster um, recovery than other parts of the world. And uh, these, you know, Chinese tech stocks really, really had a good run. Um, but following the uh, cancellation of the anti-IPO back in November and, uh, you know, some other other events that have happened. Um, we've seen a lot of CEOs stepping down, you know, Pinduoduo, um, and, uh, ByteDance and, uh, you know, a few other companies. It's really made, made it hard for me, uh, to get into some of these Chinese stocks recently, you know, for a while they're having such a good run and people didn't really, um, you know, seem to have much of a problem, uh, with, uh, investing in these companies. And I, I think I think that really just comes down to you know speculation. You know, it's not really about the companies and what all they do. It's just about if I'm going to be able to sell the stock for a higher price. And so, you know, when it comes to that, I understand it. The other thing that you know has kind of confused me about this IPO is that there's recently been a trend of, you know, Chinese companies going back home. Um, to try to raise capital. So, like, we've seen a lot of um, companies like, um, I know Alibaba and uh, Jingdong, or, or JD. Um, I'm trying to think who else. There's been a few other big ones, and uh, these companies have had their, you know, U.S. stocks, and uh, they've gone back, they've done IPOs in, like, Hong Kong, and raised a good bit of money, and, uh, you know, have done really well over there. You know, there's just, um, you know, huge potential for a listing over there. So it really makes me confused why, you know, companies like Didi um, really have their eyes set for, you know, a U.S. IPO. You know, um, the markets over there are so big, you'd think they could raise money, you know, get a lot of attention. But it really does show that the U.S. markets are still the place to be. Um, regardless of what's going on here, you know, politically. And yeah, I, I, I think, um, it really just shows you like how easy it is to get money here in the U S right now, uh, from these companies, people just have so much money to invest right now. And, uh, these firms and, uh, wall street has so much money on their hands. They don't know what to do with it. And so it's easy for a company to come to the U.S. and you know you're going to get the top valuation here. The other thing um, I think we need to pay attention to with this uh, DDIPO is, you know, this is another Chinese company coming to list in the U.S. that 
for the most part, is entirely, you know, based in China, with all of their operations in China. And what I don't want to see is, you know, I don't, I don't want to see another one of these companies, um, you know, a lot of these companies, they use really weird structures, like Alibaba, like the actual company you're investing in is like a shell company in the Cayman Islands or something like that. And basically, these companies are able to list over here, get the easy money, and they have, there's very little oversight over these companies because they follow these really, um, they're, they're in these loopholes essentially. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's been, you know, talk of that recently they, I can't remember if they did pass that bill, um, that was going to make it so that, uh, Chinese companies had to get audited exactly the same as, uh, U.S. companies, um, because for a long time it's been different and um, these companies aren't getting audited um, like all public companies here are subjected to. So yeah, that's that, that's my big takeaway from this. So let's let's watch this IPO. Um, let's see if they get that $70 billion valuation, but really pay attention to you know what the structure is. Um, are you investing in this company? Is it a shell company? Are they taking our money? Um, just because it's easy, and um, I just I just get that feeling, you know, with uh, some of these companies that uh, they just list here, um, you know, take the American money, <laughs> and then uh, you know don't get as get in as much trouble, not under as much scrutiny as the companies here. So let's keep an eye on that. We'll we'll see uh, what other news comes out before the actual IPO, and. Uh, Eh, you know, I'm, I'm always down for a good IPO. You know, I'm, they're, they're fun to watch. Um, you do like to see them take off. Uh, so we'll see what happens with DD. Um, and the other thing about DD is even though they're like, I'm, I'm pretty sure like, as far as I know, it's like a hundred percent in China business, but they do have investments in other companies. Like I, I want to say they were a big investor in Lyft and, um, definitely have like made investments in other like ride hailing c companies, you know, around the world. So it might be a play on that. It might be a, just a play on world ride share. If that's something that you want to invest in, which is kind of a questionable investment because we've all seen, you know, Uber and Lyft, you know, it's maybe not the best business model. It's a hard, it's a hard business model that, you know, for the time being just relies on a lot of investor capital and uh, doesn't make all that much money. Okay, um, so I'm sure everybody listening has seen AMC stock in GameStop stock over the past few weeks. They've really taken off again, um, but this time around, AMC has been the big name. Um, I think it was about a week, week and a half ago, they announced that... Uh, they were opening their shareholder program. So basically like millions of people uh, could get in on it. And, um, shareholders who register would get free popcorn at their first movie back to AMC since the COVID lockdowns. And that really sparked a lot of, um, a lot of hype online. Uh, people started buying it sporadically and, uh, the stock really took off, you know, got up to, you know, 50, $60 a share. And even higher, I believe, in pre-market. Um, 
but the craziest number for me, uh, when AMC took off was there was reports that AMC is now 80% owned by retail traders, which is just completely, completely mind blowing. You know, this was never the case in the past that you could have 80% of a company owned by retail traders, people, people using Robinhood with their pay to buy stocks. 80, 80% of this company is owned by that. And there's a few things that, you know, you can think about with this. One is that it's going to leave the stock extremely volatile. If, you know, if, if like a majority of the AMC shares, um, you know, were in like, uh, you know, funds or whatnot, you know, there, there wouldn't be as much potential to move, you know, in these giant swings with a giant, you know, percentage of the stock. And that's, that's another thing that I would say is unusual about having 80% retail ownership is if the stock starts going down, you could have extreme panic selling and extreme panic buying as well if this stock goes up. Whereas, you know, a lot of stocks, especially if they're in like an index like the S&P 500 or the Dow, a huge percentage of the ownership are in these funds um, and like index funds, you know, where they're really, the price is controlled by a small number of the shares. But in this case, you're going to have a large percentage of shares um, actually moving hands because it's in this retail ownership. Um, so basically what I was getting at is before, um, if, if a large portion of the shares are owned by these funds, then the price swings are only based on a small percentage of the shares that are actually, you know, trading hands. And so it'll be interesting to see it does, does having this high percentage of retail ownership, um, does this provide more volatile swings? Like I, my, my first thought is yes, but maybe not. I don't know, you know, because now you have more shares trading hands, whereas before it's fewer shares, you know, trading hands several times over and over again. So this, this be something to, something to watch. And just, just the sheer fact that 80% of this company is owned by retail traders is just incredible. Um, one thing that's for sure about these companies is that fundamentals have been thrown out the door. We all know that with AMC and GameStop, these are two, two businesses that, you know, COVID really should have, should have knocked them out. And another uh, little piece I had on here was that ride, which we just talked about a little bit ago, the Lordstown Motors. You know, this this stock had just recently been pushed by uh, some of the same people, uh, you know, saying that there was going to be a short squeeze and that, uh, you know, the percentage of share shorted was extremely high. When now it looks like it could have been for a good reason. But, uh, you know, with these meme stocks like AMC and, and GameStop, you really lose those fundamentals. And so that's, that's kind of, um, you know, something kind of interesting about Lordstown is it's being pumped up by, um, you know, some of these meme stock buyers and traders and the people that hype them. And uh, it really hasn't done as poorly, you know. Um, 
the reaction to the, to the stock should have been way worse. You know, it should have come down way more. It's really hard to believe that's a $2 billion market cap still. And uh, I think that really shows that this stock also must have a really high retail ownership. Which makes a lot of sense. You know, it came out as a SPAC. I know we're, we're going back to Lordstown a little bit here, but came out as a SPAC. Um, as well as it's also a really low share price, which, you know, makes it um, a lot easier for retail traders to, to purchase, which is very appealing to many retail traders. Okay, so moving on um, to my final topic here tonight, we're just going to talk a little bit about crypto. So I'm sure anybody who cares anything about crypto, and if you don't care about crypto, then maybe maybe you didn't hear this, and uh, you know that's fine as well. We're all we're all here right now. In the news this week, El Salvador, a country in Central America, became the first country to make Bitcoin a legal tender. And I think one thing um, you know that definitely came to my mind first about this was, you know, it's really crazy when, um, you know, this, this, the government of this country decides to put the money, you know, where the money comes from really in, in the people's, you know, control. It's not, it's not in the government's control anymore. Now, one, one thing I do want to know about this is that the El Salvador government, they had lots of, you know, financial problems. And that's, that's one reason, um, that they, you know, passed this new law. Um, and one thing I should note is that the country was already using the U S dollar, you know, before this move. So they really didn't have, you know, control over their own currency anyway, but it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, it's, it's a very poor country. Um, we'll see what, uh, making Bitcoin a legal tender. Like I, I know they said you can pay taxes. I think they said, uh, merchants have to accept it. So we'll see what this does. Um, you know, we'll see what it does for El Salvador and we'll see what it does for Bitcoin. Um, one thing that, you know, is, would be concerning for me if I was a resident there is the giant fluctuations in Bitcoin. You know, like if you're going to pay somebody, you know, $500 in Bitcoin and tomorrow it's only, you know, $428. Like, you know, Bitcoin takes such massive swings. It's kind of, um, you know, it's really crazy for them to, uh, you know, to, to make this a law and, uh, just the possibility that people who don't really understand that might be getting paid in Bitcoin. And, um, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of scary at the same time. So we'll see, we'll see how this country does. Uh, will this be the rise or demise of El Salvador or neither? We'll find out. And it'll be interesting to see how the country adopts Bitcoin and see what the percentages are of uh, Bitcoin usage compared with the U.S. dollar. I think that'll be a really interesting stat when we, you know, get it here, you know, six months or a year from now. So... Continuing on with crypto, crypto has been pretty discounted recently. That's something I really, I really think, uh, we got Bitcoin at 35,000, which, 
not to not to forget like it's still double of where it was maybe six months ago uh so it's still still real high up there um and dogecoin finally on coinbase oh it took them so long to get dogecoin and it's a move that i thought would have been really really big for dogecoin as well um but you know the price along with the whole crypto market has come down over the past couple weeks here um, like I said, we got Bitcoin at about 35,000 and, uh, the last I checked Dogecoin was at about 30 cents. And I think something really important to remember right now uh, with Bitcoin, you know, on the decline is that crypto is really not going anywhere. Um, it's, it's definitely here to stay. And I, I definitely think there's going to be more bubbles. You know, you, you, you'll, you'll never know where the bubble is if we're at the top of a bubble or at the bottom, but, uh, there, there will be more crypto bubbles. It's very, it's very clear. And, uh, you know, we did see, uh, when some of the meme stocks went down originally, a lot of that money got shifted into crypto and crypto went up. And then now since crypto has gone down, people have gone back into the, uh, the stock markets looking for gains. And so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if that relationship continues with, uh, meme stocks and crypto or if, uh, certain stocks, um, you know, how they impact the crypto prices. Um, cause like the past week, you know, we've seen AMC and GameStop have really been on the rise, but crypto has like continued to go down. And so we will, we will see that. Now, one thing I think has to be huge right now is that you know, during this latest Bitcoin bubble, we saw a lot of corporate buying, which I think is really, was really a major driver, um, of some of the prices. One thought that I've had recently is that corporate will definitely be buying a lot of Bitcoin and crypto during this time. You know, well, well, many people, you know, only follow the hype. They only buy it when it's, you know, at the highest price. These companies, they're going to be paying attention to crypto. A lot of them were probably coming up with crypto strategies, you know, thinking about buying it or how they can implement it. And I definitely think uh, some of these big companies are definitely buying crypto right now uh, as it's pulled back. And uh, we did see, you know, Tesla was one of the first uh, big companies to announce they had bought Bitcoin. And they bought, you know, a pretty substantial amount. And I really will not be surprised if we see this here in the future, this one move that Tesla made, you know, Tesla bought a a giant chunk of Bitcoin and then they went out and they sold it and it really helped their their profit, um, their quarterly profit. And so that's, that's just a little prediction I I'm I'm making now. I think, you know, companies are going to be buying Bitcoin right now. Um, you know, it's been here in the thirties for a little bit. And uh, really looks like a good deal, um, you know, if you just compare it to a month or two ago when we were at about 60000 And uh, I think companies are going to be buying it. And I think uh, during the next little bubble, the next, uh, the next moon ride up, I think, I think some of these companies are going to be selling it and using it to, uh, to impact their bottom line to make those numbers look real good for the, uh, for the quarter, you know. So that's another thing, another thing to put on your watch list. Pay attention uh, to, to companies that are buying crypto, and let's let's see what they do with it. You know, I 
everybody knows, you know, to become a real currency, you need to be able to spend it. So I, I really want to see more companies, you know, accepting crypto or even, you know, using crypto and at the least buying crypto. <laughs> so we'll see what happens with that. And it looks like I'm at the end of my list. These are all the thoughts in my mind. Just kidding. These are not all the thoughts in my mind, but they're all the thoughts that I wanted to put together for tonight's episode. So with that being said, I hope you all have a great night, a great morning, whatever time it is for you. And I hope you were able to take a few ideas away from this midnight market commentary. So, again, my name is George. I thank you all for listening. I hope you have a great night, day, whatever it be. And I'll see you all next time. Good night.